0: Hey, everyone. Um, Thank you so much for listening to my uh, past episode. Uh, I know that I said next week we would catch up and uh, I would start to go into the marriage. Um, I think I want to step back just a little bit and tell you some of the things that were red flags and I experienced um, in the beginning... Because I didn't disclose everything. Things just come to my mind. And I've been taking mental notes. Um, I remember one particular time when um, he had left my house one evening. And I didn't hear from him until like later on the next day in the afternoon. Which was a little odd because usually... We would connect in the morning, but um, it ended up his car had gotten towed, and he was dealing with that, and he tried to hide it from me, um, but it did come out that his car had gotten towed from a apartment complex in Temecula. So I'm thinking, why were you in Temecula last night after you left my house? He lived in Redlands. Um, So it goes on to show that uh, these narcissists will also have their little group of people who will lie for them. Um, And this is what happened. So he told me that he went to his best friend... um, his girlfriend's house, because his best friend and his best friend's girlfriend were having an argument. And he reached out to him. So he went down there to try to be the mediator. Um, so it sounded really, it sounded really odd to me. So I had questions. I said, you know, why would they call you at, 10 o'clock at night to go out there all the way from Redlands to go out there and be a mediator to their argument, try to help them get through this argument. Um, and he said, look, if you don't believe me, um, you can call my best friend. And I said, well, you know, your best friend would lie for you. Um, well then call his girlfriend because she doesn't like me and she won't lie for me. Which, you know, I thought, okay, well, maybe. And, you know, women, maybe women sticking together and letting each other know what the real deal is. So I thought, because that's the way I would be if something wasn't right, I would tell this woman. So I thought that was a great idea. And then he also went on to um, have me call the towing company to tell me like what time his car actually got towed from this complex and um I don't remember all god this was so long ago so please forgive me I don't remember all the ins and outs all I remember is it came out that he obviously paid the towing guy to lie for him he also had his best friend's girlfriend lie to me as well because I did call her and I did question her about it And it was all lies. He paid these people to lie for him, and they did. Oh, God. The shenanigans. Wow. And people. What is wrong with people? But they all lied for him. This came out later. Um, But I'm just, you know, I'm naive. I, I believe these people. I mean... Why would the tow truck driver lie for him? What's he got to gain? Why would the girlfriend lie? She didn't even like him. (laughs) But yeah, I didn't think, you know, people would go this far into lies and pay other people to lie for them. But apparently that's what happened. So I believed him with all of that. Um, Wow. When all actuality, he was, he did get towed. He left my house and went to this other woman's house. Um, actually, it was the one who ended up calling me um, that I was explaining in the last episode. And he did end up going to her how, or her apartment. You know, she was a mother; she had three young kids. You know, uh, she told me too on that phone on that call um, that I mentioned last week that you know she said look he's a con man I'm a single mom I have three children um we went Christmas shopping together he wanted me to put um all he wanted her to put all his Christmas presents that he was buying on her credit card and then he would just give her the cash um well that's what he told me later on it came out that you know Oh, he was just going to give her cash and she was going to use her credit, but that never ended up working out. She definitely did charge up her card for him, but he never paid her. He never gave her the money. Um, single mom, three kids. No shame in his game, for sure. Anyway, so um, back to the Temecula story. Yeah, he actually it was all a lie he was at this woman's apartment it it wasn't him going to rescue his best friend and try to you know mediate and help between this argument so because it was escalating and you know we didn't want it to get to the point of no return and police call like okay over the top drama looking back on it now looking back on it now I probably still would have believed that you know, it's not that far-fetched. You know, I and looking back on it now, too, I, I honestly, I wouldn't think that strangers like the tow truck driver would have lied for him, would have, like, wrote up a new receipt that was bullshit and all lies. <sighs> wow. People. So... Moving on, um, you know, we did end up living together for a couple years before we got engaged. Or actually, maybe about a year and a half, and then we got engaged. Um, You know, it was so odd because I never met his mom. Well, actually, wait. I did meet his mom one time. He was very secretive about his family. Um, He made it out like his family just, they weren't there. Um, He moved out here to the States when he was 14 years old from Budapest, Hungary. Um, He moved out here with his mom. Um, His mom had him when she was 15 years old. She, his dad was 23. She was 15. Um, They ended up getting married, but it didn't last. Like it lasted six months. Um, His dad was an absent father. He didn't want to be there unless, you know, that could be a lie too. But that's what I w- was told. And so his mom moved him out here to the States when he was 14 because she met some man out here. Who promised to marry her and, you know, give her a life out here. And supposedly it didn't work. They ended up living in Los Angeles in an apartment. And, you know, the whole sad story poor me. Um, I had to learn English, Um, you know. So I met his mom one time. He really talked bad of his mother. He said that um, she was an alcoholic. Um, in that she worked in a restaurant, and uh she worked late night, so he would have to cook for himself and cook dinner and and as soon as he could, he moved out from her when he was like sixteen. he said sixteen or seventeen um and then he went in to tell me about his life and that he, at 17 years old, was dating this girl. I forgot her name. I want to say Lisa. Um, and this was all in L.A. So he was dating this girl named Lisa. He was 17. He said that her mother's boyfriend was involved in some mafia stuff. Um, I want to say, like, Iranian mafia, Um, and he went on to tell me how one day when he was walking down the street, this was in LA, that he, um, a car pulled over to the side of the curb and approached him, two guys approached him, and they were, like, secret agents or CIA agents, and that They talked to him, they they took him in the car, they talked to him and propositioned him about wanting to help them get some information on his girlfriend's mom's boyfriend who was involved with some mafia stuff and guns and weapons. Something about guns and weapons and transport. And they had this full-on investigation on this guy. And they needed someone on the inside. And they thought he would be good because he was just the boyfriend. And, you know, my ex-NARC, just living in fantasy land, and movie land, just thought it was amazing and this was awesome. So, he's like, sign me up? Yeah, I'll do it. Um, So... Supposedly, he did this, got them all kinds of information, and they liked um, how he was. They liked the job that he did, so then they propositioned him to do more jobs, but they wanted to, um, what was it? No, he told me that he went in and had all kinds of psychological testing, like they had to run him through all these drills. Run him through psychological test, um physical test, all these kinds of things to see if he would even be a good candidate to come on board and work for the CIA or, or NASA or no uh NASA. Come on, Carla. <laughs> Sorry. Uh NSA The NSA So I'm like Like a movie. Like now I'm like thinking, what movie was that? Was it James Bourne or something? I like, I don't know. Gosh, this guy's crazy. Um, so you know, I'm gonna tell you though, he had it down packed. This story he had down, he had it down, he had it to the T details, everything, names, everything. So supposedly he you know he was good he was a good candidate so they wanted to bring him on board and they did and he was telling me about this one test they did for him he didn't know it was a test but they had an assignment for him and they said okay here's your here's your assignment there's an apartment already ready for you um here's a passport here's your new uh driver's license id identification whatever Um, now you're going by the name Paul Harris Paul Harris never forget that and um, you know we we have an assassination for you to do over there in New York it's a another mob mob guy um, bad guy so and that was another thing I said didn't you feel bad like assassinating somebody like you don't even know them oh he told me well no they were they were bad they were they were it was a bad person no I don't feel bad when they're bad and and they're doing bad things and you know they already prepped him and told him a little bit about this person so I'm like okay so this was the test so he goes to New York, goes to this apartment. he says the apartment's totally empty um but there's a bag on the counter, and in the bag is a gun with like um I don't want to say directions, but with what they want him to do. So he's supposed to go to the window. His subject was like across the street and you know, they wanted to they wanted him to shoot him. And I'm like, okay. I'm just sitting here like in disbelief, thinking to myself, okay. If this is even remotely true, this is crazy. And if it's not true, it's even more crazy because he's crazy. So anyway, so he's ready to hit his target. Um, Just about just as soon as he's ready to pull the trigger, he gets a call and they abort it. And basically, it was all tests to see if he would even do it. And once they saw that he would do it and was capable of doing it, then he was brought on. So, he told me he did some stuff for the mafia in New York underground. Um, he again, he had names, he had contacts. He told me that he um, that he started freelancing and doing assassinations overseas. Um, and I would want proof. Of course there was never any proof. And I I honestly I I think he believed all this in his head. And that that's scary. Uh, so, you know, eventually throughout the years I was scared of him for that. I always kind of thought about that in the back of my mind, um you know, and <laughs> wow. To talk about this and hear it come out of my mouth, I'm just like, wow. Hello. What was I thinking? Um, I was thinking I was scared. Um, so yeah, you know, when stuff happened, and he told me these stories. I was just like, I would ask, I would re-ask him about these stories later on. And they were always the same, you know, not much different. But, you know, that's, that's one of his, that was one of his stories. So, you know, I mean, yes, we did get married. Um, Things were going really well. For the first three years of our marriage, you know, I got pregnant about a year after we got married with our son, Um, and uh, it was amazing. I mean, I loved being a mother. I loved being pregnant. I loved feeling my baby move in my tummy. I would sing to him. It was just, it was awesome, and I really wanted to do it again, but after more things surfaced and then immigration got involved with some stuff, um, I just, I was, I didn't want to have another child with this person. Um, you know that show? I know you guys know that show, or some of you, some of you women out there who are like me and we like to watch Snapped and who the blank did I marry? <laughs> and like sleeping with the enemy like like that's totally my life or was my life but not the snap part because I'm not crazy like that (laughs) but on the other hand he was but no it's like mine was more like who the blank did I marry um so after you know after our son was born um it was awesome. You know, I, things were going really, really well. And when my son was about 18 months old, he had to travel and go back to Europe, uh, cause his uncle had passed away. So my son and I, we stayed here, You know, he was just so young, and I didn't want to go on that long of a flight, especially with my child being so young. Um, And I really didn't care to fly at that time. So he went. He was gone for about a week. um, And then when he came back or, yeah, when he came back and was going through customs, um and immigration and everything they when they ran him and looked at his passport port they pulled him aside and they told him your passport actually has expired you need to renew it <clears throat> and you also you know you you're subject to deportation and he was like what and <clears throat> they pulled him over they pulled him aside for a few hours Um, but they ended up letting him go and gave him a letter, uh, that he was going to have to report to the LA federal court for immigration and talk with a judge and, uh, yeah, that he was subject for removal. So when he came home and started telling me this, I said, no no, it's going to be fine. You're married to an American citizen. Um, you know, we have a child, we're solid, you know, this isn't going to happen, but he was pretty nervous about it. And now I know why, and I'll tell you guys why, but he was very nervous about it. I wasn't, I was pretty confident that was going to be okay because we were married. I'm an American citizen. We have a child, you know, I, I, didn't see how it was possible that they could just remove him. Well, I know why, because he had a felony on his record for something he did back in 1991. That was pretty bad. And he ended up doing four years in New York prison. Um, I do had no idea just how bad the severity of this case was, and it was a felony. And uh, we'll get into that. We will get into that, because now that I know the severity of what it was, now I know why he was so concerned. He was going to get deported, regardless of what happened between him and I at the end and him assaulting me and him getting deported. It wasn't me. It wasn't me that got him deported. It was that he already had a prior felony, and then he went and did another one. So technically, immigration told me later on, after the fact, that he should have been deported a long time ago, like back in 1991, 92. But he fell through the cracks. Our amazing justice system, he fell through the cracks But if he would have been deported back then, I would have never crossed paths with him. He would have never came into my life. We would have never crossed paths. I would have never had this happen (sighs) had he been deported back when he should have been. Now, I think I'm getting too long in this episode. I, I don't know how long this is going. Um, But we will get into that whole case, what he did in New York that made him do four years in prison, and then he got out and he was on parole, but he, (laughs) when you're on parole, you can't leave the state that you're in. You have to stay there. You have to be in contact with your parole officer. But this guy who thinks he's above the law did leave the country, (laughs) went to back to Europe, then went to Australia. I, this, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. And I will get into what he actually did in New York what he really did in New York because he didn't tell me the truth. Shocker. Um, so we'll go all into that. I, I'm going to tell you guys everything. And uh, I also want to get into the definition of an actual narcissist. I've been doing a lot of research over the last five years Um More so now that I'm not so much in survival mode anymore. And uh, now I can really focus on healing and processing and sharing and hopefully helping someone else. Um, That's my goal here. And of course, I do have some selfish motives, which is my goal is to heal more too and to really just have clarity over what happened because I was in such a fog and such a whirlwind for so long. Um, you know, I I did post online the definition of gaslighting, um, gray rocking, the gray rock method on how to um, ignore a narcissist. Uh, because these people... You can't really do anything to hurt them because they're just so emotionally detached. They, have, they lack empathy. They lack compassion. They, they are the ones who are incapable of love. He used to tell me that all the time, that you are incapable of loving me the way I need to be loved. When all actuality, he was just deflecting and telling me what he was. Because he ultimately was incapable of loving me the way I needed to be loved. He would tell me I was incapable of loving our son the way he needed to be loved. And that we, my son and I would never have a bond because of that. <laughs> Funny. My son and I are so close. It's unreal. Um, he told me I didn't speak his love language his love language. He doesn't have a love language because he doesn't even love. He loves himself. Well, not even uniquely loves himself or genuinely because that's another thing. Narcissists are highly insecure individuals. That's why they love their false, grandiose self. They love their self as a fake. They love the facade because that's what they really want to be. That is the ideal person that they really want to be, but ultimately they're not. So they make this up in their head and they just go with it because they think that they are validating themselves and they're going to get validation from others thinking like, wow, you're cool. Wow, you did all that. You're amazing. Oh my gosh. You know, it just... It, they, people play in to their narcissistic game and their trap and just feed the ego and feed the fuel. So they're extremely insecure. Um, narcissists never look within. They don't question their actions or behaviors at all. And they're definitely not interested in your feelings. So, you know, it's all about them. So they don't even really love themselves. Like I said in my last post, uh, last episode, they they have a hole that can never be filled. They're just walking around, just these empty shells. And it's actually kind of sad. I'm actually empathetic. I'm a very, I'm an empath for sure. So I take on people's emotions And narcissists love that. They love that type of personality um, trait because it's easier for them to manipulate you and emotionally manipulate you. So I feel sorry for my ex. I feel sorry for him because he's walking around this earth, just roaming the earth, continuing his pattern, continuing his cycles. There's, There's no genuine genuinality to him there's no real love there's no real bonded relationships nothing's real they're living in this fantasy in this facade and they just switch one mask to the other for each person like one woman he will have a different mask on what he thinks this is gonna attract this woman to another one the other mask comes on it's it's a constant shifting of mask there's no real life there. It's like an empty vessel. It's like a wasted life, a wasted body. It's like a waste of oxygen on our earth. They're just taking up space and oxygen. And they're not real. It's I feel sorry for him honestly now, you know. I have forgiven all the crap He has put me through and my family and our son because that's the right thing to do. I forgive him and I feel sorry for him and I pray for him. I pray for the Lord to soften his heart and humble him and help him to see that he is walking on the dark side. He clearly, clearly needs the Lord, but he's too arrogant to even think about that he's too arrogant he's an atheist you know he doesn't want to believe in anything higher than himself he only has himself to answer to but um yeah i just wanted to kind of i'm looking at my notes i just kind of wanted to go over you know some of the signs of narcissist abuse you know um Because there, it's like I said, it's a very different form of abuse. It's not your typical physical abuse. Um, It's very psychological. Narcissists are very extremely psychologically abusive. Uh, They abuse their victims uh, through verbal abuse, name calling, stonewalling, gaslighting, per pervasive lying which was a big one. I, You know, he was, that was his jack of trade, was lying. When his mouth was moving, he was lying. Um, it very, they're very emotionally manipulative. They project, big time projection onto you, which actually is what they're doing. They tell you the things that you are incapable of, where you're lacking, but it's really them. Um, they will abuse you through isolation. They will slander you. Uh, it's just so much. Um, they definitely like to isolate, isolate you from your support system, from your family, friends, um, and you know they're just they're not authentic. So, you know, and they're also very codependent. Narcissists are highly codependent, and they need constant validation and affirmation in order to feel that they're in control um, or that they're just bigger than. Like, they just, it's so hard to explain sometimes. It's just they love the support that they're getting from their little play-alongs. You have to remember everyone in their circle is just a puppet and they're the mastermind and they like to play this game. You don't know it's a game. But it's a game and you're keeping, you know, we're keeping it going for them. They love this validation. They love the grandiose. They they love to be put on a pedestal. I remember my ex would hate it if he walked into a room and no one looked at him. Um he just Viewed arrogance. Even the immigration officers who ended up escorting him back to Hungary said he was one of the most arrogant men they have ever met and encountered, that it was just disgusting. And so did uh, the detectives, the investigators here uh, that arrested him after the assault on me. They said, he, wow, he was so arrogant, so, so arrogant. Um, my DA even said, total narcissist. Um, but like I said, we're going to get into what he actually did in New York. And then we're going to go into the immigration and how everything really started spiraling after he was uh Subject to be deported and that took years because here I am a young you know a new mom a year and a half old child and worried that my husband's gonna get deported and it's like that can't happen and I'm not gonna go to Europe so here I am paying for immigration attorneys here in LA you know I, I talk to my attorneys here that I do business with and so, you know, they're so nice, you know, they helped me out, they referred me to a really good immigration attorney in LA. And, you know, here I am forking out money to try to keep my husband here, when in all actuality, I should have been like, bye, go, go, you know, but that's before I really knew the ugly. So keep that in mind. Um. So yeah, we sat on this for a few years. And it just ended up eroding the relationship, and really, and really, the mask started coming off, and I started seeing him for what he really was. Um, So we're gonna get all into that next week. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, everyone. I just ramble on. I start going off subjects. It's it's just so much so much that I went through, so much bottled up inside, so much in my journals, and when I start talking to you guys and sharing stuff, I just, it all just swirls around in my head, and I just go from one thing to the other, because it was just so much, so please forgive me for that, you know, give me grace, (laughs) but um, yeah, you guys have a great day, an awesome day, and we'll get into this next week, uh, wishing you all peace and blessings and thank you again for listening and we will catch up next week. Love you guys.